Broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University, it's 88.7 WLUW, Chicago Sound Alliance. Thrilled to be here. Thank you for joining me every Sunday morning at 11 here on 88.7 FM WLUW. Got an hour uninterrupted of your favorite small town kid. Go to the Loyola Phoenix, Nick Schultz. I know Tiff Jean pretty well. I think he's the sports editor there. He is. He's a sports editor. Great. Yeah. Sports good, columnist, sports writer. And, uh, and there's a, there's... I'd be lying if I said I wasn't watching baseball in class. Nick Schultz, who is a, a rising star in the profession. Our guy, Nick Schultz, covers Loyola for the student newspaper there, the Loyola Phoenix. I have to keep pinching myself <laughs> and asking if this is real. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm a poor, starving college student, so I would say I was physically here, but I wouldn't say I was mentally here. be back after a week off for fall break i'm back here on the sunday sports shootout on 88.7 fm wluw chicago sound alliance glad to be back here after a week off spent the week off with the family for fall break it was awesome got to be back for my sister's homecoming and everything it was great speaking of my sister that's a sectional qualifier in golf by the way they got the sectional tomorrow so best of luck to my sister and the dwight township high school golf team they placed third in the regional, and they are advancing. Speaking of Dwight Township High School, I, I've got to share the story. So I'm superstitious in that before every show, I go through Dunkin' Donuts over on uh, Chicago and State. And it's, they know my order. I Sometimes if they're slow, I just walk in, they make my coffee. That's how often I go into this place. And I'm in there today. I get my coffee. I'm getting all sorted out. And I had cash. I'm putting change in my pocket. And I'm walking to the door, and I run into... My old assistant principal from high school, the last person I expected to see at Dunkin' Donuts, apparently his wife is running the marathon today, and he stopped into Dunkin', and he would, it just timed out, and it was awesome. I threw, the, I threw the selfie we took on my Twitter page at Nick Schultz underscore seven. I just blown, it blown my mind. I just couldn't. I'm speechless, as you can tell. Just, I mean, it was literally like 10 minutes ago I ran into him. And I'm just, oh, man. The last person I expect to see was Coach Kemp at Dunkin' Donuts. So Daryl Horowitz, who used to host the show with me, was going to call in and having some issues with the phone lines. Um, but we're trying to get those figured out because we've got two weeks' worth of news to go through today. Because I was, again, gone last week right after... Theo Epstein State of the Union press conference, which went on for 81 minutes, by the way. I was working at NBC Sports Chicago that day. And 81-minute press conference is how long Theo Epstein took. It was one of those till-they-drop press conferences. And it went on and on, and he covered a lot of ground. But those till-they-drop press conferences, man, hey, here's the phone line lighting up. Oh, that's John doing it. Okay. Never mind. We're still making sure the phone line works. So... And John, he texted me about calling him, maybe, because he wants to give his thoughts on on everything. We'll get this sorted out real quick. Isn't technology great when it works? But anyway, Theo Epstein, 
81 minute press conference talking about the manager search, talking about the year. Disappointing season, not in the playoffs, and the playoffs have been crazy so far. A lot of baseball talk. And the Sox fired their hitting coach, so that's something. A lot going on. Hey, I think we've got the phone lines working. I just got the thumbs up from John. Daryl, are you on the line? I am here. How are you hey, doing, Nick? what's going on? Glad we finally got you on here. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I'm dialing and dialing, and I'm hearing nothing. I'm going, man, these guys must be busy getting that show ready to go so everyone can listen to a fantastic show today, right? Yeah, definitely. Like I said, I had a week off refresher, so we're back and back and better than ever. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Glad to be on joining you for a bit. Uh, I guess we're going to talk a little bit about uh, whatever you want to talk about. But I know we're going to talk about Theo, too, and his press conference and all. Yeah, that's exactly that's what I was setting up because I was talking about how long he talked and everything. And he, I mean, I was working. At, so I was, that was the same day as Bulls Media Day. So I was at my internship logging sound. So I'm very familiar with what the Bulls said at Media Day because I was what I listened to Boylan, Gar, Pax, uh, Thad Young, everybody. I was listening to the quotes marking where they started so they could edit stuff. And in the time Bulls Media Day got done, keep in mind that's Jim Boylan, Gar Foreman, John Paxson. I think they had six or seven players come out and talk. In that time. They all wrapped up before Theo Epstein was done over at Wrigley Field. <laughs> it was insane. And, and what did the, by the way, did you hear the entire press conference from Theo or No, because I was logging Bulls Media Day and I was listening to Jim Boylan talk about we got to get it to the to the mountaintop, which the mountaintop to him is make the playoffs. That's not the mountaintop, but I'm not going to get started on that one right now cuz <laughs> I, I I, I, can, I don't like all the cliches from that guy. I don't like Jim Boylan, but I don't like I the cliches. I ask you if you were impressed with Jim Boylan, but I no. think you just told me. No. <laughs> no. So, no, I did not, I did not get to listen to the full press conference because I was listening to the Bulls talk. Well, here's what I was disappointed with. I listened to the entire press conference, or so I thought, not the Bulls. The Cubs. Theo. Yeah, I, I would hope and, you'd listen to the Cubs instead of the Bulls because there was nothing exciting from the Bulls, I can tell you that. Well, I, that's what I expected. <laughs> but with the score, Danny Parkins cut it off at about an hour. And when it cut off, I'm thinking to myself, this isn't over. It doesn't sound like it's over. And I tried to go to the other station. I couldn't get that one to come on. And they never came back on with you know the press conference. Then I found out later on, instead of 60 minutes, it was 82 minutes. So there's 22 missing minutes which I ended up finding out, I think there was a lot of good stuff in there. Cause, well, let me ask you this. What did you get out of what you did here? Did, you did listen to it at all, or did you listen to a tape? I caught the highlights. Or? I caught the I highlights did, of it. I wrote down notes from the press conference. See, I didn't go that far. He, he went, well, I went pretty far. <laughs> <laughs> I went all the way with it. <laughs> but uh, they're going to hire a director of hitting and director of pitching. You probably heard that stuff, right? Yep. yep. Uh, he said, as uh, Theo said, we were stubborn with this group. We let the past keep things the status quo, and we needed to let go of the past. I have to be better than that. And now we're embracing change. Uh, make no assumptions on payroll. A lot of unknowns. Trades available. We can be game plan for. We see the least fastballs in baseball. So these are just notes I have. Uh, developing the pitching, the biggest disappointment in our system, 
But then he made excuses of drafting and developing hitting, our strategy. Well, let me ask you, Nick, for one thing. There are a lot of rounds in a baseball draft, correct? Yeah, the last time I checked. So theoretically, even if you're not drafting pitchers in the first round, there's quite a few other rounds where you might be able to get some pitching available, right? Yeah, absolutely. And the Cubs, and the Cubs did draft lots of pitchers, just not normally in the first round. So why couldn't any of those other rounds come up with pitchers when other teams do all the time, continually? And we're talking about eight years' worth here. Eight, that's enough time, I think, to have drafted and developing pitching, right? Yeah, I think that's safe to say. I also think one of the arguments I've heard is they weren't looking for pitching as much as they were looking for hitting. They were looking to build around hitting and get pitchers on like the trade on the trading block in the free agent market. Well, let me ask you a question based on that then. So, in other words, so when you're drafting these pitchers in the draft, you have no, you don't really care about them. You have no interest. We're just trade bait. Throwing names at a dartboard. Trade bait. We're not interested in them anyway. Trade bait. That's probably, I don't know if that's their mentality or not, but just hearing on that argument, that, I mean, they might. They might be thinking trade bait there. Well, you know, said so we've had to be overly aggressive with trades, et cetera, regarding pitching. Uh, you know, they use the words, you know, the buzzwords that everyone uses, accountability and culture, you know, things along those lines. Well, I'm very but familiar I, with hearing about culture covering Porter Moser the last three and a half years. But you probably like culture better. Well, I don't know what your thoughts with Theo. I know your thoughts on Boylan. But, I mean, do you like culture better with uh, Porter or you like it better with Theo? Do I have to answer that? I'm kidding. It's, I'm it's, kidding. It's, no, it's, I'm, I'm joking. I, you want. I, jo- I joke because I Porter talks about culture all the time. It's just become a joke. Like, he... It's just it's a it's an ongoing joke about he talks he's got the wall of culture in the locker room the culture around the team and it's just it's just an ongoing ongoing joke so I've heard it more from Porter so that's where I'm leaning but I just the cliches I'm just becoming repulsed by cliches. <laughs> you could call them the culture club, right? Oh man, you're not going to start saying Karma Chameleon here, are you? I don't even like their music, but it just popped. You don't in like my Karma head, Chameleon. So I- I don't really like Culture Club to begin with. That's the only Culture yeah. Club song I like. <laughs> I thought you had better taste in music. Your parents brought you up better I said than that's that. the I, only I, one. You told me what you like. That's the only one. Okay. What do you think I was going to say? You think I like West Side Story the best? I know we went back and forth on Twitter about that one. West, well, that's, that was a great movie. and uh, I haven't seen it in well, so long. I love that movie. Oh, absolutely. And I didn't even want to see you know it. They're making it they're, you that. know they're remaking it, right? I didn't even know. I didn't know that. Steven Spielberg's uh, directing a remake. It's coming out next year. Oh, my. Well, I got to see that for Rita sure. Rita Marino is coming back in it. Who is? Rita Marino. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, a few years older, I guess, right? Yeah. Playing a different character. <laughs> Interesting. Well, I'm, I'll look forward to it again. I know it's not going to match up, but I'll look no. forward to the remake of that. Uh, so, by the way, Theo was talking about leadoff. We can clearly do a lot better, but get as many players as you can as options if you can't get an obvious choice. Uh, the obvious choice would have been to keep Dexter Fowler. Well, did you want to do that at the time? Yes. Though? I mean, he was getting a lot more yes. money. You had Albert O'Moore in the system to play the position. You know, that you panned out. Stuff like that. Going. What's that? That panned out. Well, obviously it didn't pan out, but, I mean, that's what you're thinking at the time, though, right? I guess, but even you go, we go. It was the joke with Joe Madden, but it was actually a thing. When Dex got hurt, the Cubs didn't play nearly as well. 
when he came back, they were playing really well. You don't have a World Series without Dexter Fowler. Am I wrong? No, you're absolutely right. I've always thought you needed a leadoff hitter. To yes, me, that was I agree. Really an important position, and I don't think Theo focused on it as much as he needed to. And and here he talked about so he meant it's hard to implement new things because of previous success. It's easier if you're just coming into a situation. In other words, coming into a bad team with the Cubs, take them down to the base, rebuild it. So it's easier that way than if you already have success, kind of continuing success, finding ways to change, to keep on progressing, to get better, rather than getting stagnant is what I'm reading into that. I mean, what are your thoughts with that? I mean, that's the first time I heard that one. So I I see what he's saying, but you need to build sustained success. And that's why one of my friends commented on my post, because I, after the, literally two minutes left in the show, you were on the air with me when we found out that Joe Madden was gone. Two minutes left. Mm-hmm. Right. And I put on Facebook, I put a picture of Joe with the World Series, and all I said was, thank you, Joe. And a friend of mine commented on it, and he said, brings them their first World Series in over 100 years, and they fire him? Bad move. And I'm like, no, nah, I think it's, it, was, it was a long time coming because this team was built for sustained success, and they obviously didn't have that sustained success. They won in 16. It was great. I'm taking the ring. Like, don't get me wrong. I am grateful to Joe Madden, Theo Epstein, Jed Hoyer for that ring. 2017 would have been the hangover year. Okay, that's all fine. It's hard to repeat. 2018, they collapsed. 2019, they collapsed. It was time for a change. And I don't know if it goes back to Joe or if it goes back to Theo. And I think we'll see that this year because Joe's gone. Well, here, he was talking about trades, Theo. Some situations is more of what you're bringing in than what you're giving up. I don't know if you – I just read – it was yesterday – the definitive article on Theo Epstein and the Cubs by Gordon Wittenmeyer in the Sun-Times. I didn't pick up the Sun-Times yesterday. I meant to on my way to work, and I didn't. I usually pick up the sports Saturday. You, oh my God, did you miss out. This was like a novel, and this was the best article I have read by anybody in the sports media regarding Theo Epstein and the Cubs blows away anything I've read on The Athletic by anybody, any other paper, any other site. I mean, if you like, I could go over the different things in this with you. It's incredible. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I even thought to myself, I work, so I went into work at 3 yesterday, and I sat down, and there was a little bit of a lull, and usually at that time I'll break, break out the Sun-Times, I'll read, or I'll do the Sudoku. And I looked, and I'm like, oh, I didn't pick up the Sun-Times. And the, the Mart... There's a, what I forget what it's called. There's a convenience store in the Merchandise Mart. Mart News, that's what it's called. Okay. It closed at 2, and I'm like, oh, I need a place to get a paper, and I, I couldn't find one. It's called Won't Stop Believing. Theo I just Epstein. found it. Let me, let me, let me, you found it? Yeah, I just found it, on, I just found it uh, online. It's unreal. I'll, I'll give you highlights. But let me just tell you one thing real quick from the Sports Illustrated. Uh, you know, Jeff, you know, I, I know Houston's down one nothing right now, and that should be a great series with them and the Yankees, by the way. It's going to be an awesome but, series. So he mentioned that he could have picked up some other pitchers at the deadline. Obviously, they got Granky. But, uh, you know, he had, if he'd been willing to send away one of the top three pos- prospects, you know, Jordan uh, Alvarez, Kyle Tucker, or Forrest Whitley, which he wasn't. Just as in previous seasons, he refused to part with a rising young player named Alex Bregman. And so Bregman's an MVP candidate this year. Alvarez is probably rookie of the year. And, you know, they're both centerpieces of a team designed to contend for years, like the Cubs were supposed to. 
Uh, it says most other clubs didn't even bother asking about Alvarez, Tucker, or Whitley, and the few who did were immediately rebuffed. If Lunau was going to acquire the starter he needed, talking about Granke, he would send away prospects to run from further down his deep farm system, similar to the three- and four-player packages that pried away Verlander and Cole. He was prepared for the possibility that it wouldn't happen. As he always told his staff, sometimes the best deals are the ones you don't make. Any thoughts on that, Nick? I think you're alluding to some bad deals that Theo's made since he won the World Series. I could be. I mean, but see that see that mindset there? Sometimes the best, in other words, if we're not making the deal we want to make, if we have to give up players that we don't want to give up, then we don't want this guy. If we could find a way to work around it and give up guys that we're okay with to get this person, then we'll do it. Feel at all costs, I'll give you whatever you want. I want that guy. I don't care. That's what Theo seemed to do. Yeah. I mean, you've seen that. I mean, Enola, I don't think the Quintana trade is a complete L just yet, but you've seen that giving up Aloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease for Quintana. And, I mean, Cease has been, he's had some first inning trouble, but he could, he's got the potential there. And Aloy is just a beast, but he's also had some injuries. So I don't think that's a complete L, but I think that's the big one that you're pointing to. Well, that, that's a big one, and oh, to me, it's a complete L. As soon as they made the trade, it was a complete L, because I thought for those two guys, they could have gotten way better than Jose Quintana to begin with if they wanted to trade him. But, but let me go over some things with you in this article. I'll, I'll give you highlights, because I'm telling you, this article is incredible. And if you look up a guy that you're talking to right now, uh, a couple of things I wrote for the Sports Post, it's actually kind of amazing. I wrote some of these things that are in here uh, some years ago in the Sports Post, like two, three years ago, by Interesting. the Interesting. But uh, I'm ahead of the curve, what can I say? But I'm going to give uh, Mr. Wittenmeyer all the credit today, or from yesterday anyway. So he, he wrote here, like, the big question left unanswered and lingering long after Epstein finished, like, you know, his press conference was, how much real change can there be when the same management team responsible for many of the mistakes that led to this point is in charge of fixing them? So Theo said toward the end of the question and the answer session, which I never heard because the score cut it off. You asked what we were doing differently. It's adjust our approaches a little bit, but stay aggressive and know that we're the right group to build the next Cubs championship team. And so Gordon Whitmire goes, how does he know that? How do any of us know that? In other words, based on what you've did, done there, maybe you're not the right group to do that. Do you have any thoughts on that at all? I think they could. I think they could, but given their track record since the World Series, eh, the jury's out. Yeah. So he makes a comment on McLeod, and he said McLeod's been the club's top amateur acquisition and development executive since the Theo trio, you know, including Theo and Jed Hoyer, took over. Uh, obviously, they just moved him laterally, but, but his operation hasn't developed a full-season big league picture in those eight years, and development of hitters has been only marginally better which I've always said, they focused on hitting, but they really didn't even hit on hitting in the draft either, realistically. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're right. And he goes on about Theo. He's a hands-on exec who promised a player development machine when he came through the door that failed to materialize, then spent the team into a payroll buying to chase sustained success with his chosen core, 
$138 million of this year's payroll tied up in pitching alone. That's a lot. That's a lot of money, right? That's a lot of money. Yeah. And here it goes. Uh, I've made decisions to pour a lot of resources. Every available dollar we poured into. So he's talking about all the money he basically was spending with pitching and all. Uh, plugging holes with this group, trying to find pitching for this group, trying to elevate this group. A lot of young players who were blocked by players in this group were traded out of belief in this group. So later on he goes in there, Epstein admits, like, you know, like they made some great moves originally, like, you know, but there are times we've done it in a really clumsy fashion or just been dead wrong on guys. Then he goes on to say, which is interesting, there are times we've given up too much in deals and more importantly, not gotten back what we were looking for. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Gordon Wittenmeyer alludes to the Quintana trade. And then he goes, there have certainly been deals we could have been in on as well, Theo speaking, of course. And according to Gordon Wittenmeyer, that appeared to be a reference to Detroit ace Justin Verlander, who wanted to come to the Cubs, but reluctantly agreed to waive his no-trade rates to Houston after the Cubs, you know, didn't want him. And unsure, the Cubs were unsure how to best evaluate a recent performance decline, blocked at the prospect cost and remaining money on his contract. So he mentions Verlander in that thing, too, there. And the thing about it is, when you're talking about Verlander going down, Verlander the previous year finished second in Cy Young, and a lot of people thought he should have won it. So even though he didn't get off to a great start that year, he still was a guy who was in the Cy Young running the year before. Wouldn't you rather have that than a guy like Jose Quintana? Absolutely, no question. Prospects for? I mean, really? No question. Yeah, no question in my mind. I'm going to change topics here, though. This sounds Go like ahead. a great article, but I want to—I really want to get to this one. Have you Go been ahead. following the managerial search? Uh, yeah. Who do you think, based on the candidates that have interviewed so far, who do you think should be the manager? Well, as far as I know, they have not gotten to Espada or possibly Carlos Beltran, correct? Correct, because correct. I don't okay, think they so can we- until one of them loses. Well, supposedly they can. I'm not sure how it all works. The time to do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, just not sure so how everything works with that. Yeah, and baseball you could. But it depends on like you just got to find you got to find a way to meet them or something. Right. Uh, so, uh, based on Ross, Girardi, uh, Venable, and uh, Loretta. Sure. Of those group, of that group, like let's say they don't interview Espada and Beltron. Let's say they're going to make a decision based off everyone they talk to now. Who I would yeah. pick, you're saying, yeah. or asking? Yeah. I'm going to pick the obvious candidate, and I think the obvious candidate is David Ross for me. Uh, are you going a different way? Riddle me this. I have been saying on, this, on these airwaves and to other people I've talked to, there's a reason Joe Girardi still doesn't have a job. However, I had a revelation the other night. An epiphany I woke or up. They call it. I, yeah, an epiphany, an apostrophe, or whatever, or whatever joke answer. I know my mom always makes that mm-hmm. joke. I woke up in a cold sweat, and I thought, hire Joe Girardi as the manager, and hire David Ross as the bench coach. What do you think? 
I've seen that out there. I had I hadn't uh, seen that out there anywhere. And here's here's why I don't think. Well, for one thing, obviously Girardi's going to get a big amount of money, more than most teams are paying managers nowadays. Uh, I think he's kind of a obviously a hard guy, which I think I think David Ross could do that too. By the way, I don't think. Oh, David I agree. Ross I think he softy. could. Uh, here's the thing. I don't think David Ross takes the job as the bench coach. Last year, he didn't want to be the bench coach of the Cubs because of the fact that he's got the younger kids. He wants to be around them. But for the right job, for the right money, okay, I'm willing to come to Chicago and be the Cubs manager. I don't think I'm ready to be the Cubs bench coach under a new manager, Joe Girardi, because at least if you came last year under Madden and it was talked about, you know Madden was on the last year of his contract. You know if the Cubs don't win this year, the odds are great. Well, hey, they're just going to elevate me and make me manager right away. And he turned that down. So why would he possibly take it under Girardi at that point, in your opinion? I'm just I'm just throwing it out there as an idea. I think he I think he would if he because it sounds like he wants to get into managing. And I feel like if he was the bench coach, like my big problem with Girardi is. Not only is he like more old school, I don't think he'd be a good fit in today's game, but I also think he's too, I'm going to do my thing, and the front office, if I disagree with them, I'm going to keep doing my thing. That's, and that's why he got run out of Miami in 06, after winning manager of the year. He, he and the front office didn't agree, and he went, he went against the front office, and they said, okay, you're gone, even though you're manager of the year. And well, I think I'm that was part of the problem with the Yankees when he left New York. I don't think it was even management. I think he told the owner to shut up. <laughs> was it the owner? I don't even I don't even remember the He did. It was he, I knew it was along those lines. Shut up. About some I think it had actually to do with arguing with an umpire That's or something it. Yes. like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was arguing with an ump. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he went to the top. He didn't bother messing with the front office. Let me go to the front office's boss. Yeah. Hey, shut your mouth, okay? Yeah, like I, I appreciate that, but also I think Theo and Jed do want to be, I keep making the reference, I'm going to make it again, it's going to be like the Wizard of Oz, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. I think they want to be pulling the strings a little bit. And I think the the only way I would hire Joe Girardi as the Cubs manager is if David Ross is the bench coach. If David Ross doesn't want to be the bench coach, hire Ross as the manager and I don't want Girardi. I don't care if he spent eight hours at Wrigley Field with an interview. I think I would hire David Ross. And I know people... People disagree. We were talking about it at my internship yesterday. People think he's there. Someone made the reference to a circus and they compared the cir- Joe Madden to the circus said the circus leaves town. You bring Ross in the circus is going to stay in town. And I, I don't agree with that because you heard hobby Baez, you heard Anthony Rizzo, you heard Chris Bryant, you heard them all say unprompted that Ross would get on them if they weren't doing something right. No, and Javi Baez mentioned how much of a factor Ross was in right. his development and getting better and things along those lines. And I think Ross would be the perfect guy. Again, you could, you're not going to pay him a ton of money like uh, you would with a established manager, technically like Girardi. Obviously, he knows the front office, so they're going to be comfortable with each other. Uh, there's different players that are still here that like. And see, here's the thing is. I demand you respect me. Let's say Girardi could come in. I demand you give me respect. Girardi would have or instant wanna... respect because he's Joe Girardi. But 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 see, I think 
David Ross is automatically going to get respect. I mean, Girardi might, maybe some guys aren't going to like Girardi. Maybe Girardi's going to you know, come across the way he is, and you're going to feel like he's almost demanding you respect him, or I think they will respect Ross just for the type of guy he is in general. Uh, so that's why I'm not sure. I don't like the Girardi. I would not want the Girardi hire. I'd be shocked if Girardi got hired by the Cubs. Not necessarily another team, but by the Cubs. But let me mention one other thing. I just want to do one other thing for you, and if you want to kick me out, then kick me out, whatever. I know you want to do other stuff, too, and I don't want to keep the whole show going with me. But in that article, and by the way, read that whole article. I will. You've got to read that whole article. Yeah, that's going to be, that, another that'll be on my way back to Rogers Park when I'm dealing with more marathon traffic on the CTA. There you go. At least you weren't driving in it. Oh, I couldn't imagine. That's the one day every year when I did the show I would take the, the train because you might get blocked somewhere and you wouldn't even be able to get through, and now you're going to be stuck, and yet I can't get to the station. So mm-hmm. I would, that would be my train day. So here's one thing. A couple things with luck, and then I'm going to bring the big thing up. Hendricks, that trade there, with they wanted Randall Delgado, uh, and uh, Dempster turned the trade down because he heard about it on Twitter and was ticked off, and they had to settle at the last second for Hendricks, a guy who throws like 88 miles an hour. When they made the trade for Arietta with with Feldman and uh, what's called, I think it was Clevenger, the, the catcher. Yeah. They they also on that one. Yeah, Arietta had potential. They got Strope in that deal too. Nobody knew, and they admitted it. They had no clue that Arietta would ever turn out to be what he was either. So they had a couple things there where they got totally lucky on. Now here's the last thing. And everyone gives credit, like I had people criticize me in the athletic and how great McLeod's done with their war numbers, with their draft picks, et cetera, et cetera. Most of it was Chris Bryant, if you figure it out. Well, here's what Gordon Miner writes there. He wrote that Epstein benefited from his share share of admitted luck, including the beyond expected performance up area. But it also says he lucked out when Houston tanked so much better than the Cubs in 2012 that the Cubs picked second in the draft behind the Astros, who then chose pitcher Mark Appel out of Stanford instead of Chris Bryant. Bryant was everybody's top hitter, but the Cubs said Appel was at the top of their overall draft board and would have selected him if he was available. And how would that eight-year scouting and player development record look with Appel on the ledger instead of Bryant is what, he puts out there. What are your thoughts on that? Because I read that before, too, and I even wrote that in one of the articles I told you about, that the Cubs would have taken a pal had they had the first pick, just like Houston did. I mean, I mean it, so I'd never thought about it, to thing. be honest with you. And by the way, you're listening to the Sunday Sports Shootout here on 88.7 FM WLUW with Nick Schultz and Daryl Horowitz on the line for a few more minutes. I'd never thought about that. The Appel and Bryant, possibly, like if the the Astros tanking better. I'd never thought about it. I don't know why. But hearing that, like, yeah. I mean, you're, it was part of that was luck, but also it worked out. Like who? It worked out great, but if you think about it, and I wrote an article, one of the articles I wrote was how lucky the Cubs were. Again, getting Hendricks, getting Arietta, being able to get Bryant uh, instead of Appel, who they would have taken. A lot of things went the Cubs' way. So if you look That's at what's got to happen, though. They won the World Series. But That's I don't know if they did as good a job as everyone gave them credit for. And you're seeing what's going on now. I, again, I don't even know if they could rebuild it, technically, no matter who the manager is. I think they can. And I, I, 
I know what you're talking about like I don't think they've done a good job, but like I think they have because of the sole fact they won a World Series. I'm taking the World yep. Series. Yep. Uh, so am I. I'm yeah. taking the World Series too. Yeah. But like even like, I think they could have done better. I know one trade I keep hearing about. Like I think we've talked about it too. It's the Glaber Torres for Roldis Chapman. And I don't know if you saw the thing I retweeted last night from my guy, Luis Medina. He does outside the Ivy, NBC Sports Chicago. He's a Southern Illinois grad. We bond over Missouri Valley basketball. Mm-hmm. And he tweeted out, a, it was, I agree with it, a thousand percent. It was, I will take one World Series and no Glaber Torres, then one Glaber Torres and no World Series. And, it, and like, that's it. That. That's I agree with that. And I think that sums up, like, they yes, it was. It could have been luck. It could have there. There have been hiccups along the way. It whatever. They won a World Series. It worked. That's my attitude on it because I, I joke. I'm spoiled rotten. I've been up here for, well, I've been in Chicago for three straight playoff runs. They didn't make it senior year, of course. They won the World Series my freshman year. Like I'm taking. I'll take that if it. Like I said, I don't care if luck was involved or not. Take the money and run. Well, you need luck to win a lot of times, too. But I'm just talking about the organization in general. They give a ton of credit. Uh, they might not have done as well with different circumstances, not working out as well as they did for them. So, you know. Yeah. Just putting it out there. Oh, yeah. I mean, they could I mean, they could, could. they be in a better spot now? Yeah. But they won on that night in Cleveland. I don't care how close it was. They, they scored more runs than the Indians in Game 7. They have a ring. I'm happy. Absolutely. And I'm in a better spot than you because uh, it's I think around 70 here, and I heard it's 42 in Chicago today. Yeah, it's not fun. I'm here. I'm in a stocking cap. It's not okay, fun. Okay. Well, I don't want to keep you, buddy. I know you had other stuff you had to uh, talk about. I appreciate you letting me uh, come on and talk about the Theo press conference and the Cubs a little bit. And again, we'll probably they'll probably have the manager of David Ross, and that's expected. Uh, if if, you, if they don't pick Ross, like. Why don't you give me a call and we could talk a little about it. But if it's Ross is the guy, you know, just let things go because that's what we expect anyway. And maybe if they make some big move, we could talk about it in the future whenever that may happen. Uh, yeah, sounds good. Like. Yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be interesting. It will be interesting. And, again, I appreciate you giving me some time here today. And uh, uh, I know everyone else is going to love listening to the rest of what you got. And maybe they'll even be able to call in if my big mouth gets off the phone here. <laughs> So I appreciate it, Nick. Have a good one, buddy. Thanks again. All the best to you, okay? You too, Daryl. I'll see you later. Or I'll talk to you later. I won't see you later. (laughs) All right. right. Enjoy the warm weather. Bye. Bye. There we go. That's Daryl calling in from Charlotte, where it is a nice 70 degrees, and we're sitting here freezing our tails off in Chicago. Phone lines are open, 773-508-9589 to give me a call. Feel free to disagree with me, agree with me. Yell at me. Just make sure I don't have to hit the dump button on you because I'm pretty sure I got paperwork to fill out if that happens. I don't feel like doing any paperwork. And John just gave me a look. I probably shouldn't joke about the dump button anymore. <laughs> so one thing I didn't get to with the managerial search for the Cubs is uh, Mark Loretta went on uh, 670 the score. would have been two weeks ago now. And he talked about uh, more accountability in the clubhouse. And he's laying out everything with Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. And I'm listening. I didn't listen to it live. I was looking at the recap of it, listening to listening to the radio during the week, 
And he's talking about they need more accountability in the clubhouse. They need more of this. They need to do more of that. He's basically airing out his grievances of like what went wrong. The last time I checked, Mark Loretta was the bench coach last year. And the last time I checked, the job of the bench coach is to be in the manager's ear and tell him, you need to do this better. You need to do that better. You need to do this. You need to do that. And they're supposed to disagree. Maybe that did happen. Maybe it happened where Loretta told Joe he disagreed with him and Joe didn't want to, and Joe said, no, we're doing it this way. That could very well have happened. But just given what I've seen this year or last year, I think Mark Loretta is, I don't, I don't want Mark Loretta as the manager. I know there are a lot of people who do because he was only there for a year. And the argument is, and I remembered halfway through, uh, telling Daryl that story about the conversation I had at NBC Sports Chicago. I was talking with Nick Olchek, Eddie Olchek's son. He's uh, doing some work over there. We were talking baseball during the intermission. And we're he's talking about the circus leaving town and David Ross continuing the circus. Like, I understand where people are coming from with that, but also, I I think Ross, even though he's only been retired now three years... I think he can come in and light a fire under those guys because he saw it in Game 7 of the World Series when Anthony Rizzo's sitting there quoting Anchorman going, oh, I'm in a glass case of emotion and Ross is calming him down. That's proof that Ross can come in and he can change things. I think he's a good leader and I think that's the leader they were missing. And I think, again, Theo and Jed can pull the strings in the background. They can they can tell him, okay, here's what here's what we want you to do. like And... I, I know my, my mom even texted me saying, talk about how Ross has a lack of experience. And you look at, I know the American League is a different animal, but look at Aaron Boone, look at Alex Cora. And I as much crap as I give Dave Roberts, they won a lot. They didn't win a World Series, but they, they'd win. They, they won. They played well. He didn't do well the other night, though, with that bullpen management. I did not agree with leaving Joe Kelly in there and what and Howie Kendrick put one out to center field. And then bringing in Kenley Jansen. And I've ripped Dave Roberts before. I, I don't think Dave Roberts is a good manager. I've said that before and I'll say it again. But when all said and done, he won. Not a world, I mean, he didn't win a World Series, which is the end-all be-all. You want to win the World Series, but the Dodgers were two-time defending National League champions. Something was going right. I know that. That's all I got for baseball. I did see... I'm going to shift over to football here. Ian Rappaport reported 25 minutes ago on Twitter that the Bears are likely to place standout offensive lineman Kyle Long on the injured reserve, sources tell Rappaport and Mike Garofolo. Team's offensive line has struggled, and they made a major, they're going to make a major move based on health. I heard it on radio all week that this was a possibility because the offensive line against Oakland last week, I'm really glad I didn't have a show last week because I would have been on here talking about how the Bears were going to roll over the Raiders. And that clearly did not happen. I was out shopping with the family. And we watched a little bit on our phones. And the whole time I'm sitting there going, are you kidding me? So the offensive line didn't perform. That wasn't the only problem in the game. Let me tell you, there's a laundry list. And I've only got 20 minutes left. I don't have time to get to all of it. But wow. Wow. That game last week. 
So Kyle Long's going on the injured reserve, and we'll see what corresponding move is made. Uh, the Bears obviously are off this week. It's the bye week. So they had that tough loss to the Raiders, and they got a stew on it for two weeks. Well, now one week now, but not great. If you got any thoughts on that game, 773-508-9589, 773-508-WLUW. Bears are in an interesting spot. Obviously, Mitchell Trubisky went down with a torn labrum in his shoulder after the last show we did. And Chase Daniel came in, and he lit it up. And you heard the hot takes on the radio. Oh, I want Chase Daniel starting over Mitchell Trubisky. I don't want Mitch Trubisky starting ever again. Chase Daniel's got the stuff. And then you watch the Oakland game. I know I just said the offensive line was a big problem. That interception to end the game, who was he throwing to? You saw in that Oakland Raiders game in London at Tottenham Stadium why Chase Daniel is a backup quarterback. And that's a, it's that's fine. There are some people who are meant to be a backup quarterback. I read something. The guy's made, what, $30, $40 million in his career as a backup quarterback? It's not an easy job. He's got to know the offense inside and out, and that's why he did so well when he came in in a pinch against Minnesota. And I don't think he's going to start next week. I don't even remember who the Bears have next week, but I know Tyler Bray was just put back onto the practice squad. He was the backup in London. Uh, they got the, Oh, they got the Saints next week. It's Saints week next week. That's going to be fun. I think Trubisky comes back next week against New Orleans. And it's back on the lakefront at Soldier Field, 325 kickoff. And I think we've seen the last of Chase Daniel starting quarterback, unless Trubisky gets hurt again. I said before, and I'll say it again, I'm still on the Trubisky bandwagon. I'm one of the only ones on the bandwagon, I'll admit. It's kind of lonely. I'm not starting him in fantasy or anything. But... I still think he can be a good starter once he learns to, you know, throw to his left. Like, I don't think he's perfect. I joke that he's going to win the MVP. He's not going to, no, not even close. But I think the potential is there. And I think part of it goes back to Matt Nagy's play calling. I love Matt Nagy to death. But the play calling has not been great this year. And it's it's shown that when the play calling is better, Mitch is better. Just how, it's just the way it goes. And Someone pointed this out on the radio this week. You haven't seen the trick plays this year that you saw last year. You haven't seen the the freezer lefts, the Santa's sleighs. You haven't seen the fun plays anymore. I don't know what happened. It's like all of a sudden Matt Nagy is too by the book now, and he's not getting creative with stuff. That's why last year was so fun. Well, part of the reason why last year was so fun was because Matt Nagy was calling all these fun plays and Catching people off guard with like, why is he throwing to Bradley Sowell? You're you're not seeing it anymore, and it's weird. And that and then you look at the record, like they're three and two. The record, I mean, they're over five hundred, so technically it's a decent start. But you look at some of those games. I mean, you look at the Packer game. I'm still mad about that. They only scored three points. And then you look at the Raiders game last week and you're like, you just lost to the Oakland Raiders? And then John Gruden goes out into the, the locker room after the game is like, I don't got a disco ball. Let's start dancing. Don't make fun of club dub. 
you win a Super Bowl, then you can make fun of Club Dub. I am not a John Gruden fan. And I don't even know if I've I don't know if I've ever said that on the air, but I'm saying it now. I am not a John Gruden fan, and that ticked me off. It's like, man, you won because the Bears went to London on Thursday, and I know people say you're not don't make this excuse. Don't make the excuse about jet lag. The Raiders went straight from their game in Indianapolis, I believe, on Sunday. They were there a full week before the game. They were adjusted to the time difference. The Bears went on Thursday. Thursday night. They flew overnight. So they went. They were there Friday, Saturday. They played Sunday. I have never flown overseas. However, I know there's a huge time gap. And there's jet lag. And all those factors come into play. They should not have left on Thursday. And I know Matt Nagy said, oh, when I was in Kansas City, we did that on Thursday, and we played just fine. This isn't the Kansas City Chiefs. You're dealing with different guys. People say, oh, it's not an excuse. They were there with plenty of time. They knew what they were doing. I disagree. I think they should have left sooner. And I don't think jet lag was entirely the problem in that Raider game, but I think it played a role. Give me some of your thoughts. 773-508-9589. On for another, what do we got, 14 minutes-ish? I don't know. It's in, it's like close to 1146, but it's not. So if I wait six more seconds, I'll be on for 14 more minutes and would love to hear your thoughts on anything. We've talked a lot of Cubs. I've talked a lot of Bears. I got more to get to because the Bulls are playing in the preseason, and Wow. And the Blackhawks haven't won a game yet. And we got college football going on. College basketball is coming around the corner. Can you believe we're talking about college basketball already? I mean, it's October 13th already. The Chicagoland tip-off luncheon, which is the unofficial start to college basketball season in Chicago, is going to be at Maggiano's a week from tomorrow. It's crazy to think about, but we got to start getting ready for college ball. So much going on. So much. I'm debating whether or not to talk Bulls or Hawks because they're both just, they're different animals, but it's, they're both not great because the Bulls are still in preseason where the games don't matter. But I, I gotta, I, you know what? I am gonna, I am gonna talk about the Bulls first because this, I was working the game the other night. It was Friday night. I went out for the high school lights uh, high school football show that NBC Sports Chicago puts on. I was out on the north side at Sullivan versus Kennedy. It was a good game. I get back and the Bulls are playing in the preseason. And I hadn't followed the game when I was out there because my, my phone was dying at the football game I was at. I ended up making it back to the studio at 1%. And I hadn't been, really been able to follow any of the Bulls game or any of the pregame stuff. Get a load of this starting lineup. Denzel Valentine... Luke Cornett, Daniel Gafford, Kobe White, and Chris Dunn. No Zach Levine. No Lowry Markkinen. No Otto Porter Jr. No Thomas Sadaransky. No Thad Young. Chandler Hutchinson still hurt. Wendell Carter still hurt. And no Shaq Harrison. That was, it's a crazy lineup. And then Cristiano Felicio played 15 minutes. Ryan Archidiacono played 16 minutes. 
And it was great. I had to look for highlights. like Or not like highlights as in like during the game, like storylines to highlight for social media. Kobe White balled out. 24 points in 30 minutes. The only thing that's discouraging is he didn't have an assist. But thinking about that, like who who did he have to pass to? Chris Dunn? No. Denzel Valentine? Maybe. Daniel Gafford? Maybe an alley-oop because he's seven feet tall. Luke Cornett? Maybe. The people he'd be facilitating the offense for didn't play. Levine, Markkinen, Porter, they didn't play. So I liked what I saw from Kobe White. Other than him, didn't see much. I didn't think Justin Simon played great. I know he's fighting for a roster spot. I thought Archie Diacono looked okay. I I still don't like Cristiano Felicio. Milton Doyle, Loyola guy, he saw 15 minutes of play. He had uh, two points, three rebounds, three assists, two steals. And went 0-6 shooting, though, 0-4 from three-point. But Milt, a Loyola guy competing for a spot on the roster. And I think there's only one more preseason game for the Bulls coming up. I think that's today against the Raptors. Thought I saw that on Twitter. Yeah, today against the Raptors, uh, That's I think that's it for the preseason. I will double-check that. Actually, I think Tuesday's game against the Hawks might be preseason play. But either way, the Bulls are struggling. They have not won a preseason game yet. They are 0-3. They lost to the Bucks. Keep in mind, the Bucks did not play Giannis Antetokounmpo, and the Bulls played the starters. They still lost by 10. But hey, they're going to get to the mountaintop. They're going to make the playoffs. That's the mountaintop, according to Jim Boylan. It's going to be a long year. It's going to be a long year. Speaking of long years, I'm wearing my Let's Do That Hockey shirt, quoting Chance the Rapper on Saturday Night Live. So we're going to do that hockey real quick. Not great for the Blackhawks to start the year. Started in Prague against the Flyers. They look bad. They played the Sharks at the United Center the other night for their home opener. Keep in mind, the Sharks had not had a lead all year. Hawks lost to the Sharks. And then they played the Jets last night, which that's where I made the West Side Story reference with Daryl, was that I... Oh, I don't know what that means. Do I have a caller calling in? Nope, it's the sunlight. Never mind, the sun's going behind the clouds. And I thought the phone line was ringing. But anyway, Sharks and the Jets. I was talking with Daryl about West Side Story. And I joked on Twitter. Again, you follow me on Twitter, Nick Schultz underscore seven. That whoever was in charge of the Blackhawks schedule has seen West Side Story way too many times. Because if you know West Side Story, you know. If you don't know it, I'm going to tell you. The two groups are the Sharks and the Jets. And I don't know if it, I don't know if it was intentional or what, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say it was intentional just because I think it's funnier that the Sharks and the Jets played the Blackhawks back to back at the United Center. Hawks went to overtime last night against Winnipeg, and I'm thinking, okay, great, they're gonna finally win a game. <laughs> nope, lost in overtime, and they're now 0-2 and one to start the year. No defense. No defense. I was listening to uh, Carmen and Yurko the other day. And uh, the, uh, Carmen also hosts the Odds Couple, 
on AM1000. I listen to that podcast all the time. And he's even joking. If you take the under on the Blackhawks this year, you're doing something wrong. Because the offense is great. The Blackhawks offense looks good. I The penalty kill stinks. They still, they, they allowed a, I literally looked away last night after talking about how great Robin Leonard's doing in goal. They allowed a short, or they allowed a power play goal because the penalty kill unit's still bad. They just, they, the offense looks good though otherwise, but the defense is just horrendous. And I don't know, I don't know what it is. I'm not a, I'm not a hockey head. I can't diagnose a problem with hockey. I can do that with baseball, but I can't do that with like, with hockey, I can maybe do it in basketball. Like, of all the major sports, like, I always joke, I'm fluent in baseball, more than conversational in basketball, conversational in football, barely conversational in hockey. And it's not looking good for the Blackhawks to start the year. And I know Kirby Doc was their draft pick this year. He's down to Rockford for some conditioning. He didn't look too, he didn't do much last night. I don't want to say he looked bad, but he didn't, he didn't jump off the charts. He had two shots. He was a minus two. And he's going to be part of the future for this team. But I'm hoping they can make the playoffs again. I just... Three games. It's not good. It's got to start playing defense, though. Corey Crawford and Robbie, Robin Leonard can't, start, can't stop them all. And I do say, I was talking to my friend Claire at NBC Sports Chicago last night. I was telling her... I like Robin Leonard better than Corey Crawford. I'm going to go ahead and say it. I didn't think Crow looked good in the in the game against the Flyers. Granted, the defense was not there. But I couldn't say that. I didn't feel comfortable saying that because Eddie Olchek was on the uh, pregame, halftime, and postgame shows. And he was talking on the postgame show about how he thought Corey Crawford looked awesome. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to disagree with Edzo. I don't want to disagree with Edzo when he's in the same building as me. But I'm, I'm saying it now. I thought Corey Crawford did not look good against Philadelphia. I thought he looked okay against San Jose. And I thought Robin Leonard looked good last night. I know they lost. And he had a great quote after the game. Because they still got a point. They did get a point last night. They're getting there. They're getting close. They got a point in the standings. But he said after the game last night, he had a great quote. Yeah, we got a point, but we didn't get the win. That's what matters. And he hit the nail on the head. It's a good interview. I'd never heard his interview. I'd never heard him get interviewed before because they obviously just acquired him. He's a good interview, and he had a he had that great quote. So the Hawks are in a weird, weird spot right now, and it's just I don't know what's going to happen there. Missed the playoffs the last two years. Joel Quenville is down in Florida coaching the Panthers. A lot of stuff going on there. It's going to be. Quite the year for the tenants of the United Center. Only got about five minutes left if you have a quick thought. 773-508-9589. Cubs manager search again. It's in full swing. I think it's going to be David Ross. I hope it's David Ross. If it's not, maybe hoping it's Joe Espada. They can talk to him in time. Depends on when they want to make a decision. You won't hear a decision made until after the World Series, though, because the MLB does not want... Attention taken away from the World Series, which I I understand. So that's why it might seem like it's taking a while. You know, it's crazy. I So Joe Girardi interviewed on Wednesday, I think was his interview. And Wednesday, I had my graduation audit, which 
It's getting real. I graduate in May. It's, it's get it's getting real. And I got back to my apartment and I'm doing I'm just doing some stuff. I actually cleaned out my Gmail inbox for the first time in a year and a half. I won't say how many emails I had in there because I don't want to make anybody cringe. But I came this close to saying, you know what? I head down to the Starbucks at Wrigley and just get some work done because I want to make that a goal. Like I want to make it I want to make it a goal to get away from Rogers Park a little bit and start like getting some work done at like around the city. And I almost went down to the Starbucks at Wrigley that day. And I said, no, nah, I'm just going to stick around here. I got class at seven. Just going to chill up here, throw on Netflix in the background, knock out some work. Come to find out that Joe Girardi was interviewing for eight hours at Wrigley Field. And I could have seen Joe Girardi go in. And I saw, and I love Gordon Whitmire out there. He's staking out the manager interviews. And he's got these pictures of Girardi and Theo and Jed. And, again, eight. I, I had to double check when he tweeted it. Eight hours with Joe Girardi? Like, I get it. Like, I know he's, I will admit, he is the most qualified candidate for the job. But I don't think he's going to get the job because he does not fit the mold of the manager that Jed and Theo are looking for. Now, the next day, Wittenmeyer was out there staking out, and it looked like David Ross smiled for the camera. It was awesome. And I'm just mad that I, so close to going to Wrigley to Stu- to study, well, I don't really, I don't really, I don't really study. I don't have a lot of classes to study for. I'm a journalism major. We write to knock out some work for the newspaper, clean out my inbox, be productive for a change. And I said, Nah, I'm just gonna stick around my apartment. Yeah, I would have seen Joe Girardi. Oh well, but that tells me I gotta go. I gotta go to that Starbucks in Wrigley sometime though, and and do some work with with a view of the greatest ballpark in the country. And don't anybody tell me different. That is baseball paradise there. It's got a charm to it. A couple more things before we're done. Again, Bears off this week. They got the Saints next week. So we're not butting into a Bears game here, which is weird. They've only played one noon game this year. And it was last it was the it was last week against the Raiders. The next week's 325 kickoff. Bulls are playing the Raptors in preseason today. We'll see what happens there. So, so much going on. I didn't even talk about the White Sox. They fired their hitting coach. And they they just brought in a new one. Uh, I think it was the other day. They brought in their hitting coach from AAA. And it's just crazy to think that they fired their hitting coach after Tim Anderson won the batting title and Yohan Moncada finished, I think, third. But they hired Frank... Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to botch this name. Frank Menachino. Menachino. He was the AAA hitting coach this year. He worked with Zach Collins, Nick Madrigal, Danny Mendick, and Luis Robert. So maybe that'll help when those prospects come up. Ideally, they'll come up this year. But you never know with the service time and everything. So I hate that rule. I think that's going to change in the next collective bargaining agreement. So a lot going on, and we're... I'm running out of time here, so we're going to have it all for you next week. One last thing before we go. I did have the request. I brought it up at the beginning of the show. I'm going to say it again. Shout out to my sister Isabel and the Dwight Lady Trojan golf team as they head to sectionals tomorrow. Can't wait to see how they do. They'll be playing, I believe, in Spring Valley, which if you know where that is, bonus points to you because I live down that way and I don't know where it is. I think it's over by LaSalle, Peru. So best of luck to my sister and the Lady Trojan golf team. 
and it's now noon, which means my time is up. So for Daryl Horwitz, who was on the phone with me, I'm Nick Schultz signing off, and we'll see you back here next week on WAW. Have a great week, everybody.